You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. The two criminals flew the coop and left the scene to let the birds lay and die. However, they migrated back a few hours later to finish the job and stomp the creatures to death just because they could. Authorities have released the images and are asking anyone who may be able to identify these foul killers to please give them a call so they can stomp these two to jail and make sure no birdie will do this again. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Matt Walsh Podcast. Thank you for uh, listening. So I want to talk today about growing up. Growing up, which is a, a theme I hit on sometimes. You know, as a, as a millennial, I'm constantly reminded that my generation is a scourge upon the earth. Across the board, there, there's this consensus that we are, uh, uh, as uh, Brett Easton Ellis says, we are generation wuss or generation narcissistic, or generation entitled, or generation skinny jeans. Uh, there, was a, there was a skit a few, a few weeks ago on SNL, a millennial bashing skit, which uh, hilariously painted all of us millennials as self-obsessed whiners who uh, speak in really annoying cadence that makes it sound like everything we're saying is a question. And the facts, you know, I'm sorry to admit, but the facts often seem to support these demeaning generalizations. Uh, And it's true that many of my fellow 20-somethings aren't moving out of the house, aren't getting jobs, aren't getting married, aren't going to church, aren't supporting themselves, uh, aren't growing up. I mean, there there are stats that, that back all these things up. And a lot of us are stuck in this kind of state of suspended animation. We're busy, you know, binging Netflix and playing video games while our lives continue to pass us by. And this is probably why uh, we often have incoherent perspectives on things, incoherent political views, which is an article I was reading recently about millennials that said that um, talking about our political views and uh, the, the, the most popular opinion on economics among millennials is to support socialism, but oppose government-managed economies. So we, we want socialism, but we don't want the government to manage the economy. Which is, which of course, which just make, obviously makes no sense. They're one and the same thing. You know, that's, it's like saying, it's like saying, um, uh, I want to eat a pig for dinner, but I don't want pork. Makes no sense. So we like to think that we're educated and enlightened, but we have a habit of embarrassing ourselves when we're asked uh, questions about our views, even basic civics questions. You see these studies all the time or these reports all the time about how millennials, you know, they can't name the vice president or they can't name one senator from their home state. Article I read recently says that most millennials would vote for Stephen Colbert for president if we had a choice. Anecdotally, I've noticed a certain closed-mindedness in many of my peers. I don't, I don't mean closed-mindedness in the sense of being set in our principles and values. That's a good thing, okay? That's called having a moral compass. That is a good form of closed-mindedness. But I mean closed-mindedness in the sense of not desiring to truly learn and understand and grow. 
And the reality is hard to escape. Many of us are childish, shallow, ignorant, afraid of responsibility. Everyone thinks we're lazy, and it's hard for me to claim that uh, that reputation is completely without merit. We physically grow, we get older, we get fatter, but we're not becoming deeper, more intelligent, more, more serious, more interesting, more ambitious, more sophisticated people. That's not happening. Our tastes have not developed. Our, uh, our men still play with toys. Our women still listen to adolescent pop music and speak in teeny bopper slang. We cling on to our teenage years. We constantly complain that we aren't ready to get married or live on our own or be self-sufficient. These are all the truths about my generation. And of course, I use the word we, but this isn't true of every millennial individually. Some of us are fully adult. Some of us are out in the world leading and innovating and creating. Some of us are running businesses and starting families, defending our nation in the military, achieving uh, more in our short time than a lot of folks twice our age ever did. And, you know, the thing is that also says that we tend to take the rap for all of the country's problem, despite the fact that, you know, we just sort of got here, you know. We can't be blamed for everything. Baby boomers, you know, they love to criticize millennials. You know, they're kids, most of us. Yet it was uh, the boomers who, who earned the title of worst generation, in most people's estimation, by thoroughly decimating our cultural institutions, bankrupting our, cult, our, our country, leaving us with crippling debt, a collapsing civilization to manage. I mean, this is the society that they built or unbuilt, I guess, and they own it, good and bad, mostly bad. I obviously don't mean that, uh, you know, I, I don't mind taking responsibility for, for our myriad flaws in the millennial generation, but I mean, how did the boomers get off the hook so easily is my question. Where, where do they get off going around and complaining about millennials when you look at what they did to this country? It's, it's uh, really... It's, uh, it's, it's really unbelievable. But be that as it may, we millennials are not excused for our shortcomings just because our parents, not mine, but a lot of people's, wreaked havoc and, and left us a crumbled, disintegrating culture to deal with. Um, and even if we haven't all earned the stereotypes hoisted upon us, collectively we do have many problems and many of us deserve the notoriety that we've earned. So the question is, how do we fix what ails the youth of this country. If not for our sake, then for the next generation, how, how do we st- stop this process of extended adolescence, perpetual immaturity? And, you know, I think about that. And I, I think if we want to bring about real substantive change, we need to alter the way that we think about youth. We need to reprioritize on a fundamental level. Question our most basic assumptions. Consider the merits of the road less traveled, you know, like the poem says. And I've already written about the benefits of getting married and starting a family younger. I think that's one thing that we should all consider. Most of us, not all, but most, are called to be husbands and fathers or wives and mothers. And this is, in the end, the greatest and most fundamental vocation for a majority of human beings on the planet. That being the case... That being the case, the men who are ultimately meant to be husbands and fathers will not really become men fully and completely until they pursue and realize that destiny. And the same can be said for women. Family life should be a cornerstone, a foundation for adulthood, not a combination, and certainly not a mere feature or add-on. Um, this approach, I think, would also help young adults become, become 
true adults. You know, and admittedly, it's difficult now for men and women who desire families because so many of their peers aren't even considering the possibility. And that's why I think our overall approach and attitude towards young adulthood and family life needs to change so that this is even an option for people. Um, another way to, to help young people grow, I think, is, uh, is religion. Millennials are the least religious generation in American history, and this, I'm sure, contributes to the immaturity problem. And because what my generation needs more than anything, and I think what uh, anybody needs to mature, is a purpose. In fact, in some ways, you might say that maturity is sort of the process of realizing your purpose, your your the point of things, the answer, the direction. So this haze of indecision and apathy that clouds and suffocates us in our in my generation. Uh, I, I think it happens so often because we have no faith and we've had no faith, no answers to the fundamental questions of life instilled in us at a young age. This, again, is enormous failure on the part of our parents' generation, but our goal has to be to stop the trend, not to perpetuate it. So faith gives us hope and reason to live, a reason to suffer, strive, continue along. Uh, it makes us better people, more generous, more sacrificial. It's, it's hard to to get up every morning and work and live and endure when you have no idea why you're here to begin with. And some in my generation have a, have, have a deep, vibrant faith. That's true. So it's not like we're all godless heathens. Um, as I've said before, in my experience, the most exciting, alive, and traditionalist churches tend to be the youngest. But the faithful millennials seem to be the exception, not the rule. And if we fix that, we can fix a lot of our problems. And then there's something else to consider. Um, and I think it's uh, college, okay? The university system, you know, right now we have this idea that everyone has to go to college. And the university system is a spiritually and intellectually dangerous place, okay? Not dangerous because it's challenging, but for the opposite reason. Many of these places are singularly dedicated to creating a race of infantilized, sheltered, codependent wimps who need safe spaces and trigger warnings to protect them from difficult ideas. Youth is the time when we should be challenged, brought out of our safe zones, forced to grapple with uncomfortable concepts and realities, but increasingly college is not the place for that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that college is wrong for everyone. I'm just saying it was clearly wrong for the people who come out of it complaining about microaggressions and, and whining that problematic language gives them migraines and all this kind of thing. And it hasn't always been this way. You know, society has not always thought that it was ideal for every single person in the country to undergo 48 months of additional indoctrination. It was only very recently that we decided all young adults should transition right from 12 years of government education to four years of what amounts to, you know, in many cases, essentially a communist booze cruise that costs more than a luxury vehicle to attain. And it attained, I should mention, by teenagers who would never be approved for a loan for a luxury vehicle because they have no money, no assets, no history of steady employment, and no plan to be employed anytime within the next half decade. And now that we've tried this strategy out on a couple of generations of Americans, I think it might be time to step back and see if it wor it's working. And if you do that and you look, I think you see that it isn't working. It's a disaster. And there are a lot of broke 30-year-olds with crippling debt working jobs they could have gotten when they were 17 who agree with me. And there are even more brainwashed 25-year-olds apparatchiks who won't agree but would if they could still think for themselves anymore. The point is it's pretty obvious, to me anyway, that college 
does not, in a large number of cases, have a maturing effect. Sure, if you go into college already a mature, hardworking, goal-oriented, critical-thinking person, you'll likely come out the same, hopefully. But if you amble into the university system a lost and lazy and unfocused and impressionable child, I don't think a succession of frat parties and beer pong tournaments and seminars with you know the school's inclusive excellence center, which is a real thing, will change that. It'll probably make it worse, much worse. So college should be seen as a purposeful place for purposeful people, not a place for people to find a purpose. That was quite an alliteration there. Purposeful place for purposeful people, not a place for people to find a purpose. All right? I'll say it again. No, I won't. So this kind of like go into college and figure out what you want to do with your life shtick is, is, is stupid, frankly. And dangerous, like I said. In no other con- context would we ever recommend that a person invest 48 months and 60 grand into something that, just to find out if they actually need it. In no other context would we pay to send our kids into an ideological environment violently opposed to the values we instilled in them. In no other context will we do these things. But we do it with college because we think we're supposed to. For the young adult who has absolutely no clue, there are more distractions and pitfalls and intellectual hazards in the collectivist college environment than there are in the working world. So I think college needs to be restored to its original status, which is a a destination for serious, grounded people who have a plan, not a vacation for kids who are looking to experience college life, okay? Experiencing college life is not a priority that should be on anyone's list when they're 18. Prolonged adolescence um, is, like herpes, a condition that people often develop in college. So if we're talking about what to do about it then we have to look at college and the only known cure for prolonged adolescence as far as i'm aware is independence hard work and responsibility which are merely features optional features in high education relatively easy to avoid so you can go to college and be independent work hard and be responsible you can But a lot of people don't, and you don't have to necessarily be independent, hardworking, and responsible in college. It's not required. College kids can work hard. They can be responsible. They can think for themselves if they choose to, and many do, but it doesn't appear to be um, far from encouraged. It doesn't appear to be, um, you know, desired at all. Personally, you know, I was able to get over my teenage malaise um, find success in life not in spite of skipping college but because I did in large part anyway I learned things in the real world that I couldn't have learned in a university classroom I learned self-reliance and discipline I learned how to be hungry I learned how to be uncomfortable I mean these are actual skills okay these are skills I learned about work Uh, I learned about practical things too, like how to make a grocery budget and pay my taxes, deal with landlords and bosses and coworkers. I learned how to learn, how to teach myself things. I found myself through an active and independent, informal, sometimes desperate pursuit. And that strategy won't translate for everyone. Uh, And I know, and of course I wouldn't, I'd, I'd prefer that doctors and architects take the more formal route for their education, you know, but I believe that, um, 
I'm far from the only one who, who benefited or would benefit from doing it the way that I did. And anyway, I'm betting that serious college students chasing serious goals would appreciate it if the unserious went off to find something they can be serious about. It's okay to have fun as a young adult, but only children can afford to dedicate months and years of their lives to fun. One of the biggest problems in my generation is that many of us, even the ones my age, pushing 30, still think having fun should be like the top priority in their life. And for the millennials in this camp, college is the absolute worst thing, the last thing they need. What they need is to go live, you know, somewhere, go live in a dingy apartment in an unfamiliar town while you work the night shift, stocking shelves at Walmart for a few, for a few years. You know, that's what they need. They need work. They need responsibility. They need independence. They need to be humbled by the burdens of reality. And, of course, joining the military is also an excellent option, a trade school, a mission in Africa, a voyage to Mars. I mean, really, for a lot of these kids, anything would be better than four years of partying at a liberal, at a, at a liberal university. So I think those are three things we could consider. And, I, again, not for everyone. Um, well, I mean, religion and faith, that's for everyone. Everyone should, should have that. But um, I think that if we had more young people who first of all had, were, were, had, faith, had faith, were faithful, had religion, okay? Um, more young people who were getting married younger instead of waiting until they were 37. And young, more young people who were, who were forging a different path besides the, um, you know, just go right into college thing, doing something different. I think if we had that, then uh, a lot of these problems would be, would be mitigated. Maybe not solved entirely, but mitigated. I really believe that. That's how you make, that's how people grow up. That's what it comes down to. All right, that's going to do it for me. I uh, hope you guys have a, have a great uh, weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. My crew chase solid. Godspeed, everybody. The Jeff Fisher Show. How many times in your life, ask yourself this, how many times in your life have you been at a party, a little gathering, and you've, you've not been on illegal drugs and in an altered state, and you've gotten naked and ran off into the woods? How many times have you done that? That's what I thought. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network.